Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I wanted to talk today five points using the word faith. You know how I like to use an acrostic. Um, Things that Abraham had to overcome in order to become a giant of the faith. And, And really that's my point today. It's a journey for all of us. Greg talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, Abraham was a bit hopeless at the beginning. But as he practiced faith, he became a giant. And that's our goal today. Um, I, don't, I don't believe that any of us are the finished product. And if you think you are, you are seriously deceived. Um, and I'm praying that all of us are going to grow today as we begin to understand a little bit more about what it takes and what we have to overcome. Uh, the Bible says simply about Abraham that he believed. And that's very key for us today as I talk about the five points that I'm going to make. Um, it's belief that enables us to overcome. Uh, it's not some natural ability that we have. We have to exercise our ability to believe God's word is true. Amen? And uh, it's one of those things where it's a, not a once-in-a-lifetime event where we do it and we're good for life. Uh, Every day is a new opportunity for us to exercise what we believe about God because our circumstances are changing all the time and our emotions are changing all the time and we find ourselves feeling differently all the time and it's still God's word and uh, we have to choose to believe it and we have to choose to put it into practice. So really that in essence is is a challenge for us and there's a summary around the points that I want to talk on today. The word belief Believed or believe means to think to be true. If you believe something, you think it's true. That's just how we are. We don't hang our belief systems on things that we believe are lies. Not maybe openly or with, with what's the word I'm looking for? Awareness. We believe something to be true. We're persuaded about it. You don't have to convince me anymore if I believe something. I feel persuaded and I place my confidence in that thing. And that's what we're talking today about. So my five words today, and I'm so grateful for you, Ola, just a real encouragement to to me already. The five things that Abraham had to overcome to be considered a giant of the faith, to be called a friend of God. Number one, he had to learn how to overcome failure. Number two, he had to learn how to overcome anxiety. Number three, he had to learn how to overcome insult and isolation. Number four, he had to learn how to overcome temptation. And number five, he had to learn how to overcome helplessness. Any of you ever relate to any of those? Hey? How many of them today? Okay. So as we've seen already, a lot of what I'm going to talk about are examples I'm going to try and draw examples from Abraham's life where all of these are represented. And some of them are things that Greg's already spoken about, but they're still a good reference point for us. The first, one of the first and biggest areas that we see Abraham fail is when God's called him and he goes into Egypt and he's afraid and he lies about Sarah being his wife and says to the king that she's his sister or tells her to say that she is his sister. It's pretty high up there on the failure list. Uh, later on down the line, when uh, he sleeps with Hagar, 
that's another failure. A failure to believe God and his word and a failure to, to actually live it out. These are just a couple of quick examples. I want to just talk about failure though. Failure can happen in two ways, I guess. Like Ola uh, was talking about, she failed her exams. And that happens to all of us. There are life situations where we, we put ourselves out there and we try and do something. Maybe it's a faith-filled thing. And we fail. How many of you have ever failed at something? I expect every hand to be up in the room. All of these things that I'm talking about today are our human experience. They don't make us lesser people. Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes when we talk about these things in the church, it's like we can do it without ever failing and it's not possible. You know why? Because you and I are humans. We are finite. And we somehow have to get comfortable with these things so that they don't devastate us and prevent us from getting up again. Amen. The only time that failure is permanent is when you don't get up again. So there are things that we do, steps or acts that we take uh, in life, uh, in areas that we've never been before, and we fail. And it's hard. Amen. We don't like to feel like we're failures, but we're only a failure if we never get up again. Amen. So that's one area. And the second area that I want to talk about today, again, is our human experience, is when we fail God. Where we're not trying to do something in faith so much as we've outrightly lived outside of his will for us. We've sinned. What could it be? It could be a whole host. Men and women fail in their walk with the Lord constantly. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you have failed God and God cannot restore you because you've gone past the point of no return. Maybe we're not talking about an exam that you failed, that you just need to try again and study harder. Maybe it's a, a, a morality issue in your life. And you are feeling devastated in your own self. And Mr. Devil is there on your shoulder, whispering his words of discomfort. Lying in your ear, accusing you, making you feel that you are less than everybody else, that God cannot forgive you, that God can never use you again, that you are a waste of time in the church. I hope you understand. And if you don't, I want to be very clear today. That's a lie. If any of us had to be perfect, then all of us should just go. Amen? Let's just pack up what we're doing here. Let's stop wasting our time because we're deluded. God deals with failures. I am the biggest failure. There are things in my life, like you, that I know, where I wish that I had done something different with my life. I hadn't done the thing that I'd done, or said the thing that I said, and I feel guilty about it. But God comes, and He comes with a fresh compassion, and a fresh love, and a fresh restoration, and says, I can make you better. Amen. Amen. This is not permanent. This is not permanent. If you want to be someone who walks in greater faith, if you want to grow toward giancy in faith, you have to learn to rely on God's grace and forgiveness 
and rest in Him. Because He is the restorer. Amen? He loves you. And right now, when He looks at you, He's smiling. He doesn't have a frown on His brow. He's not angry. He doesn't want to brush you aside or sweep you out. He wants you to be restored. So if you're feeling like a failure today, like you crossed a line that you let God down, can I please say, be brave. Get up. Do something. Be convicted. Don't be condemned. Conviction drives you to positive action. Condemnation squashes you into the dirt. Repent. That's what the Bible says. Repent before the Lord. Run to Him. Amen? Abraham learned this by experience. And you and I need to learn this by experience. When we fail God, we don't run away from Him. We run to Him. And He restores us every time. Every time. The only thing that prevents us from being restored is ourselves. So, my first challenge for us today. Let's be like Abraham who learned to deal with <coughs> failure and let it be something that causes us to progress rather than fall down and never get up. Amen? Learn from your failure and do something different. And let God show you that you are able to be more than you are, to do more than you have, to live more faithfully than you have. Romans 8.28 is a great encouragement. It says, listen now, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things, all things, God works together for good. If you wanted to say that slightly differently, God takes the bad and works something good out of it. He's a miracle working God. He can take the trash in your life and he can make it a testimony. Amen? If you will allow him to work in your life, he will take even the rubbish, the bad, and the evil, and the difficult experiences, and he will work good from them. Isn't that wonderful? There's no one on this earth that can do that. And yet God loves you so much that he promises you that he will take it and he will make it good somehow and all we have to do is believe him amen if we stop believing we stop growing the second word that i wanted to talk about today is the word anxiety how many of you ever felt anxious about anything anxiety basically is worrying about tomorrow today and the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough things to worry about. You know? I know what anxiety means. I feel like in many ways in my life right now, I am living on the edge of places that I've never been before. I am having to do things that I've never experienced before. I, I have no experience to fall back on. And so my mind works overtime sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, how am I going to deal with this issue? How will I overcome this issue? And it's happened countless times, countless times. But you know what I'm finding? Is that each of those things that I was so distressed about 
never actually came to be. And what it did was simply rob me of my energy today. Instead of focusing on things that I can affect now, the devil's trying to tempt me to think that God's going to fail me in the future. And I believe my God's faithful. And my experience has shown that when it comes to that time, that thing that I've worried about, I'm able to get through it. And I think to myself, why was I so worried? And I'm learning things. That God is able. Amen? God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to pack up your home, your life, because I'm about to take you on a journey. And I'm not telling you where we're going. But let's do it. And the Bible says that Abraham, I don't know how long it took him, maybe he just said, great, he got the boxes out and he started packing everything. Maybe it was six months or a year, I don't know. And he's thinking, whoa, where am I going to go? What do I need to take with me? It's like when I go on holiday, shall I pack this or shall I pack this? We've experienced this in our own life where God said, took that scripture and said, I want to take you on from where you are, where you are, and I'm going to take you somewhere and I will reveal it to you. And I was like, that sounds amazing, God. Thanks. Just show me what you want and I'll do it. And six months later, I was still employed in the job that I was doing. And I was saying, God, I thought you said we were going to go somewhere, but you're not speaking to me. And he reminded me, no, I didn't tell you what it was I wanted you to do. I just wanted you to resign. And after six months of spinning my wheels, I realized God's told me enough. And I resigned and the journey began to progress. Anxiety causes us to be trapped in the moment. It allows us to be, become afraid of what might be change, what by, might be new. You know, God wants to take us on to bigger and better things. And it's a journey through a place to get to another place. He doesn't supernaturally transport us to that new thing. It's a process. But anxiety can often be the thing that prevents us from taking the first step. And I want to encourage us today. God has great things that he wants to do with you. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. Wow. What? Not a thing. You know, if God says that to you, he must actually believe that there's nothing for you to worry about. Amen? Otherwise, he's just talking. Is he good? I'm asking you a question. <laughs> yes. Is he faithful? Yes. Is he for you? Yes. Do you have his favor? Are you blessed? Yes. Amen. We have to remind our thing, ourselves of all of these things. Amen. God is not taking us somewhere that he already isn't. He goes with us and he goes before us. And he prepares the way. Don't be anxious about anything. So here's the practical side. If you feel that you are anxious, the Bible doesn't have some profound answer. It just simply says, pray. Pray. Include God. Bring him into the situation and leave it there. Right? Put up the no fishing sign. 
and leave it with God. The Bible says that if we can pray and if we can present our requests to God, it talks about peace. A peace that the world cannot provide you with. A peace that comes from places that you didn't see. Somehow a troubled heart found peace and you don't know what happened to change it. The Bible says that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart. And it's your heart that feels anxious. Amen? So the second thing that Abraham had to learn how to overcome was anxiety. And there are other instances in his life that we can talk about where he would have experienced this. The third thing that Abraham learned to overcome was insult and isolation. I believe that this issue causes anxiety in our lives, the kind of anxiety that prevents us from living a life for God that we should or could. Because we're afraid of what other people think about us. Amen? We've seen how they treat Christians. And we don't want to be treated like that. And so perhaps we live quietly out of the line of fire, a life of faithlessness, but more a life of safeness. There's an incidence that I often think about in Abraham's life when God called him to take Isaac and to sacrifice him. And, and Abraham amazingly obeyed God, trusting that God gave him Isaac so that somehow he would intervene whatever happened. This was the, the belief that Abraham had. He went up the hill. You know the story. Now I'm thinking about when he came back down and the story got around about what happened. I've spoken to people who aren't Christians and one of the things they've talked about is the insanity of a man who's prepared to kill his child. Can you imagine how Abraham might have encountered that in his life once he came back from that scenario? What people who didn't believe thought about him. What they may have said about him. What kind of repercussions would you encounter if that happened today? Someone will be knocking at your door. I can promise you that in a nice uniform. Amen? But God did something amazing in Abraham's life because he took a step of faith. So let's not talk about that specific situation, but let's talk about what God is calling us to, to step out in faith and do for him. Circumstances or situations where we are having to exercise our belief that God is going to do great things through us and in us. But we have to step out, for instance, out of the boat and put my foot on top of the water. Will it hold me up? Amen? If we're afraid of what people think about us, we'll never do anything for the Lord. Because God has called us to live out in the open. He's called us salt. He's called us light. Because the world needs us to live faith-filled lives for Jesus. Amen? So it's going to put you out there. And you know what the Bible says? Blessed are you. When people insult you, and there's another verse that talks about when they exclude you. Have you ever worried that you might be excluded from a group of peers because you're a Christian? You're going to encounter it. Let me tell you, it's going to happen. 
It's normal. And it's okay. The Bible says, blessed are we. Jesus himself said, you're only experiencing what I experienced. Your reward is not in this life. It's in the life to come. Amen? So somehow I'm, I'm challenging us today to stop being anxious, to stop being afraid of what people think of us. What God thinks is much more important. Amen? What God has planned for us is amazing. And if we let people's thoughts of us prevent us from walking into it, we're missing out. I heard it said, I don't know who said it. What other people think about you? None of your business. Amen? Don't let it become your business. Let's live for the Lord. Amen? My fourth uh, word today, temptation. You know, right from the start, God came to, uh, to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than all the stars. I'm going to give you children, he's saying. It starts with one, but look at the stars. It's a profound promise. If you know the story of Abraham, you know it took a while to happen. Amen? Abraham was a hundred when they eventually had Isaac. And Sarah was 91. How's that for some faith? Right there. Many of us would have shut that book a long time ago. Sarah comes to Abraham at one particular point and says, look, it's not happening for me, I'm afraid. I can't give you a son. How about I bring you Hagar? She's beautiful. She's one of the servants in our house. How about you have a child with her because I can't do it. There's the temptation for Abraham to stop trusting God again. Amen? Unfortunately, he failed miserably. And the world is suffering today because of it. Temptation is always there. What is temptation? Temptation to sin. Temptation to not do the thing that you know God wants you to do. Temptation to give up. Have you ever been tempted to give up? Huh? Temptation to take things into your own hands? That's a real one. I don't know how many times I've found myself feeling frustrated because I tried so hard and I couldn't do it. And I realized I'm trying to make something happen and I need God to do that thing. 1 Corinthians 10 says that no, 10.13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common. One of the lies of the devil is that he tries to make you feel like there's something terrible about you. But temptation is common. Amen? Temptation is not sin. What you do with temptation can be sin. But the Bible says that God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. What a great promise. 
What a great promise. And the Bible goes on to say, and God will always provide you with a way out. The difficulty for us is choosing to head for the door. Amen? We like to stay and play when it's time to go. No temptation has seized you but what is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And my last point today, the last point uh, that Abraham had to overcome is this feeling of helplessness. Have you ever felt helpless? That doesn't make you weak. Amen? And I'm talking to myself right now. Helplessness is a human experience. We are finite. It's not a sign of failure. It's actually a positive. Because it's when we're at the end of our rope that we say to God, okay. And He does amazing things. Because we've realized we just have to get out the way. Amen? Matthew 9, 36 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Listen now. When he saw the crowds, he didn't shake his head. The Bible says he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus feels compassion when he sees us in our helpless state. What does he say? What's the answer to helplessness? Jesus said to his disciples, listen, this is weird. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The answer for helplessness is the gospel of hope. Jesus' solution to the problem was not to try and deal with all the circumstances first off in those people's lives, but for them to know that there is someone greater who is stronger who is able, who is all-powerful, who is all-loving, who wants to work in their lives as their God. And my challenge for us today is Jesus is the answer to helplessness because He is infinitely powerful and more able to work in every situation. So instead of feeling despairing, be encouraged, my friend, when you are helpless. Because God is about to break through. Amen? When you feel helpless, don't despair, but be encouraged. Because God is about to break through. Angus Buchan said, the condition for a miracle is difficulty. However, the condition for a great miracle is not difficulty, 
but impossibility. Amen? We serve a God of the impossible. That is what sets us apart from others. We have a God of the impossible working for us, working in us, died on a cross for us, impossibly rose from the grave to life again, forgives us of our sins and offers us a future and a hope in this life and in the life to come. We serve a God of the impossible. So I want to encourage you today. Being a giant of faith requires you to believe in the God of the impossible. To look at your helpless situation and say, Hallelujah! My God is right here and He's able. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You and I need to learn what we can do and what we can't do. We need to work in the areas that we can and we need to trust God implicitly in the areas that we cannot because He's a faithful God and He is for us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.